Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu wa ala rasulillah. So I hope you guys understand that this is the attitude we should have, that there are ibadat and mu'amalat, and you, this is how you divide them, that everything is haram until proven halal with regards to ibadat, and with regards to mu'amalat, everything is halal until proven haram. If inshallah ta'ala, if that's clear, that's the most important, that's probably the, one of the easiest ways to solidify and, and protect yourself from any weird and bizarre and strange ideas that are out there. And believe me, there are plenty. Moving on. There are, when it comes to an act of worship, there are two elements to it. The internal and the external. When it comes to the internal, we've already talked about the hadith, that your actions are going to be judged by their intentions. So you can pray salah, but what's going on on the inside? Are you doing it Are you doing it for Allah's sake? What's your intention? If your intention is sound, then you're good. That is, a, that is the, the sort of the principle when it comes to the internal aspect of ibadat. When it comes to the external, what is the principle? Man Whoever does an action that is not upon this our affair, then it is rejected. So in other words, if you want your good deeds to be accepted, it's very, very simple. Whether we're talking about salah, whether we're talking about siyam, whether we're talking about dhikrullah, uh, whether we're talking about da'wah, uh, whatever we're talking about. You have to ask yourself, whatever I consider to be an ibadah, an act of worship, my hajj, or uh, uh, whatever it may be. Number one, internally is the intention right. Externally, am I doing it according to Qur'an and sunnah, based on these two ahadith. So if you have those two right, then inshallah, you are good. And it's because of that reason that Atufi, rahimahullah, he said something very interesting. He said that this hadith is half of the sharia's evidence. Why? Because deeds can either be accepted or rejected. And this hadith basically tells us why deeds are rejected. So it's quite interesting the way he sort of broke it down. Ash-Shawkani, rahimahullah, he said that, uh, that one cannot enumerate all the rulings that are directly uh, uh, derived from this one single hadith. There are so many different principles in Islam that go back to this basic building block of a hadith. So it's a very, very important hadith. Now, obviously, like I said, logically speaking, if you add to the deen, if you add some sort of ideas to the deen, then number one, you're trying to act like you are smarter than God, that you are improving on God's revelation, as if you're making up for whatever he was lacking. This in and of itself if you can't see that it's problematic, if you can't see how it just, just destroys the concept of religion altogether, then subhanAllah, I can't help you. You should be able to see that it should be very clear. The second thing that I think is so vital when it comes to this issue of bid'ah is that you will never have unity. Think about it. Think about this. How, like when it comes to mu'amalat, we can be so diverse, right? When it comes to mu'amalat, we can be from different countries, we speak different languages because speak whatever language you want. We can eat different foods, right? As long as they're halal. We can eat spicy, we can eat non-spicy, we can eat sweet, we can eat sour, right? You can see the ummah is dressing many, as long as we have, you know, uh, we're not dressing in inappropriate ways, you know, we can have, you know, on Eid, you see everybody, all their cultures come out, you know, these, these type, the Arabs dress a certain way, you know, the Khaliji, and then you have the Africans dressing a certain way, mashallah, you know, usually lots of colors, very bright, and you have the Desi sort of shal, shal, shalvar, and the, and the, and the, and all these different, you know, you have all this beautiful, when it comes to mu'amalat, there's so much diversity. But then when it comes time for salah, when it comes time for ibadat, you find unity. The adhan, we know how it's going to be given. Because the adhan is one way all across the world. Everybody stands in salah and moves in exact unison. Why? Because there is no bid'ah. The moment you introduce bid'ah to the deen and have worship in different ways, subhanAllah, you're just completely destroying unity. In fact, I'd even go so far as to say, if somebody engages in some sort of bid'ah, I really want to ask them, do you, do you care at all about the unity of the ummah? Because how can you reconcile bid'ah with unity? You can't. 
you have to recognize that some people, if they can invent and add to the deen, they're going to go in this direction. And other people will invent and add to the deen and go in their own direction. And they're eventually going to end up with different, at the end, different deens, different religions. And this is exactly what the nations before us have done. So I don't understand how somebody can't see this happening. And if you seriously can't see it happening, please, siru fil ard, go travel the earth. Go to different countries and see how sometimes Islam is transformed in this country because they have certain cultural practices that they've added to the deen. Go to that country, you see that they've added certain cultural practices that they've added to the deen. And subhanAllah, if it goes far enough, it doesn't even look like Islam anymore. But the less and less you do that, the more you stick to Qur'an and Sunnah, you find anywhere you go in the world, subhanAllah, you feel like you're at home. It's such a beautiful thing. Yes, in terms of mu'amalat, we're very different. So it's very fun to see the differences in people in terms of you guys play cricket and we play soccer and you guys play football and you guys play whatever. Sure, no problem. Mu'amalat is fine. You guys eat this type of food, that type of food. It's nice. It's fun. You guys have these type of languages or these type of expressions. Great, fine. These type of colors, these type of clothes, that's fine. But then when it comes to deen, alhamdulillah, we're together. How can you not see the beauty in this? And how you can miss this and get fall into bid'ah, subhanAllah, I find it's, uh, it's, it's, it's the ultimate disrespectful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but even disrespectful to the ummah and our unity. So it's on multiple layer, layers and levels, subhanAllah, you have to see the problem. Allah ta'ala asks the question, Or do they have other deities who have ordained for them a religion to which Allah has not consented? Do you have some sort of other... Deity that you're making up the, the sharia as you wish, subhanAllah, may Allah protect us. So, and the final few points inshallah ta'ala, before we close up, Ibn Uthaymeen rahimullah, he did probably the most, uh, at least in, from what I found, the most detailed uh, explanation as to how a act of worship must be in accordance with the sharia. He came up with um, six different parameters. Cause, type, amount, manner, Time and place. So I'll, I'll give examples for each. What was the cause for the gathering? What was the cause, oh, excuse me, what was the cause for the act of worship? For example, a gathering. For example, we know that one reason that we gather to worship is for Jummah. One reason we gather to worship is for five daily salawat, uh, uh, or Eid, etc. There are different reasons to gather. Some people, they say, we need to have the birthday of the Prophet ﷺ. This is a, a time to get together, right? Did the Prophet ﷺ ever gather people for this cause, for this reason? The answer is no. This was never done during the Prophet's time. He never said, let's all gather today because today's my birthday. It never happened. So if the cause is not in line with the Sharia, then we say, leave it alone. Drop it. Number two, the type. We know that there are uh, 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 certain animals that are permissible to sacrifice on Eid. For example, uh, goats, uh, maaz, right? Or sheep, uh, button or cows, baqar, or ibl, camels, right? These are the four different uh, an'am, the four different types of uh, uh, cattle that can be uh, slaughtered on Eid. If somebody says, I'm going to slaughter a horse, fahuwarad, it is rejected. No, you can't slaughter a horse. It is not a, the type, the type is wrong. So whether it be the cause or the reason, if it's not the right cause for a, an act of worship, it's rejected. If it's not the, t the right type of thing that you're using for worship, then it is rejected. If it is not the right amount what does that mean? Let's pray dhuhr today. Let's pray six raka'ah dhuhr. Let's pray five raka'ah dhuhr. Is it allowed? What? Five is better than four. It's a bigger number. More ibadah. Better. X. Wrong. Incorrect. Wrong. You can't have it that way. Why? We have unity. Allah Ta'ala is the best of ahkamul uh, hakimin. Allah Ta'ala is the most wise. And He made it four. That means it's perfect. Don't add or subtract. So the amount has to be right. The manner in which it's done. For example, 
Can I make wudu by starting with my feet and then moving on to wiping my head and then moving on to washing my arms and then moving on to washing my face and then my hands? Do it exactly in the backwards order. We would say, فَهُوَرَدْ It is rejected. The Prophet did it in a certain order. If you flip it, then you have a problem. The timing of it. I'm going to fast the month of Ramadan in the month of Sha'ban. <laughs> no. Allah Ta'ala said you, you fast the month of Ramadan. That's it. It's the month of Ramadan. The timing has to be the same. And of course, the place. You can't say, I'm going to do the day of Yawm Al-Arafah, but not on Arafah. I'm going to do it in Muzdalifah. doesn't work. You have to be in the right place. So, so these are all different parameters in which you can recognize that, whether it be the cause, the type, the amount, the manner, the time, or the place, that we need to uh, uh, maintain the parameters which the Sharia has given us. Now, this hadith is so important because it makes us recognize what? How much we need to learn our deen, how much we need to study Qur'an and Sunnah. Because I can't tell you, you know, when it comes to FAQ, frequently asked questions, perhaps one of the most frequently asked questions is what? Is this, is X Islam or culture? This is so, so often. Brother, I'm confused. This particular thing that my parents told me, or this particular thing that I heard from somewhere, or whatever it is, is this Islam or is this culture, right? And subhanAllah, the only way you can really clarify is when you study Qur'an and Sunnah. Then you can find out what is actually thabit and what is firmly established from Qur'an and Sunnah and what is not. That's the only way you're going to know. There is no, there's no other way to do it. إِنَّمَا الْعِلْمُ بِالتَّعَلُّمُ The Prophet says that knowledge is, not, knowledge is through studying. Don't think you're just going to lie down, make dua and say, Oh, look at that, now I understand all the fiqh. You know, I lied down on a bunch of books of fiqh and through osmosis they just kind of seeped into my pores. It doesn't work like that, right? You actually have to study. So this is exactly what we are uh, uh, learning from this hadith, that you, if you want to differentiate, you have to actually know the Qur'an and Sunnah well. Now, um, what's so scary about bid'ah, what is so scary about perversions in the deen, is that nobody makes tawbah when they do it. Think about this. Think about how deep this is. When it comes to a bad deed, let's say whatever it is, you know, a person... Uh, looks at something they shouldn't look at, or drinks something they shouldn't drink, uh, says something they shouldn't have said, right? Whatever it may be, some sort of haram action. They feel guilty for it, right? And they ask Allah to forgive them. I, I got mad, I, I, got, I got angry, I, I said a bad word to somebody, astaghfirullah, oh Allah, forgive me for this evil deed. You recognize the evil in it. You want to do better, right? If you do a bid'ah, you actually feel good about it, right? Hey, look at that. I was jumping up and down, and this is my worship to Allah. Why is that worship to Allah? Did Allah say that this is his worship? Did his messenger say that this is his worship? How do you think? And then now you're, you're perverting the deen and you're not going to make tawbah. Why aren't you going to make tawbah when you're doing something so egregious like perverting the deen? Why? Because I think it's okay. And so, subhanAllah, it's, it, you could say that it's actually safer. It's actually safer that a person does sins because by sinning, they're going to inshallah make tawbah. And we all sin. We're all human beings. We all sin. But when it comes to bid'ah and falling into something that is a, a perversion of the deen, and you feel justified in it, subhanAllah, may Allah protect us. This is very dangerous, especially because we won't, you don't make tawbah from it. And so that's what makes it especially dangerous. The final thing that I want to mention is that the Prophet says what? مَنْ سَنَّ سُنَّةً حَسَنَةً فَعُمِلَ بِهَا بَعْدَهُ كَانَ لَهُ أَجْرُهَا وَمِثْلُ أُجُورِهِمْ مِنْ غَيْرِ أَنْ يَنْقُصَ مِنْ أُجُورِهِمْ شَيْئًا That whoever introduces a good practice. Now a good practice doesn't mean a new form of worship. Like for example, me giving a halaqa right now is not a new thing. The Prophet ﷺ used to give durus, he used to give talks, he used to give, teach lessons, right? But the idea of saying, look, let's do it every Thursday night, for example, this is something that becomes a habit in the community that is not part of the deen. It's not, it's not now legislated part of Qur'an and Sunnah, but it's just something that we practice 
as part of the deen. Or let's say when you encourage people to give charity. Charity is clearly sanctioned. But if you're encouraging others to do it, and you say, I'm going to give it, you guys give it too, then you are creating this sort of, you could say, trend. And alhamdulillah, when you, when you create a trend and other people follow you in it, you get their ajr without removing, without decreasing their ajr. And the same thing is also true of the opposite. وَمَنْ سَنَّ سُنَّةً سَيْئَةً Whoever introduces an evil practice, فَعُمِلَ بِهَا بَعْدَهُ كَانَ عَلَيْهِ وِزْرُهُ وَمِثْلُ أَوْزَارِهِمْ مِنْ غَيْرِ أَنْ يَنْقُصَ مِنْ أَوْزَارِهِمْ شَيْئًا That whoever introduces an evil practice that is followed after him will bear the burden of the sin for that, uh, for that and the equivalent of their burden of sin without the detraction from their burden in the slightest. This is an Ibn Majah hadith and it is sahih. So with that, inshallah ta'ala, if you could, jazakal khair, uh, with that, inshallah ta'ala, we close. May Allah ta'ala make us of those who always are strict upon the sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Ameen ya rabbil alameen. Wa jazamna khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.